Hey, this is Rob from the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast with a correction. Uh, I repeatedly refer to the creator of Detective Comics 1 not as Tony Daniels when, in fact, it is in my defense. When we recorded this, I was very, very drunk. So please bear that in mind while listening and enjoy. Thanks. How's it going? Welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. And uh, this is episode one, the sack of justice, I've just decided. Okay. Um, go full sack or go home. <laughs> All right, so what do we have on the docket for this uh, morning, evening, We have many afternoon? things. Um, however, you know, being as we are two weeks in to the new DC reboot, I thought we'd start with... Uh, Talking about how that's going. It's I'm generally really enjoying it. I mean, I've got good solid memories of Crisis on Infinite Earths and that whole feeling of, oh, it's all new and anybody can do anything with any story. And I haven't read all of this week's yet, but uh, most of them generally have been uh, not bad. Some have been, you know, sort of borked and awful and nobody really needed Men at War. Um, Men at War, I am... I find it interesting that they're trying to tell it in the form of serialized short stories. Does it need to be told that way? I mean, clearly what they want to get to is Sergeant Rock. Why not just reboot Sergeant Rock? Well, he's Corporal Rock now. But Corporal Mr. Doctor Senior. Yeah, it's... Something. Yeah, part of the problem with that is, yeah, I bring that up and probably unfairly. I'm not a war comics fan. Never really have been. Whereas I, I will cheerfully read a war comic. You're going to blow stuff up and you've got big guns. Come, Come see Amanda. <laughs> I'm Irish. What can I tell you? I do the best I can. God damn it, with what God gave the Irish. But I mean, it's it's not bad. Uh, I'm not a war comics guy, and clearly, with that first issue last week, they were trying to make it, you know, a, a superhero tie-in to tie it in with a new Fifty Two, and and that's fine. I'm sure war comics fans will probably hate that, so it may be a book, you know, looking for an audience, but. I didn't want to get on the topic of that particular book. Generally, I find it all exciting. Um, I've skimmed through Legion Lost, and that's the first book where it's for all the talk of eh, everything's brand new. They're talking about, oh, we can't travel in time thanks to the Flashpoint effect. So they're acknowledging that there was continuity there. We have Red Lanterns, which clearly points back to Blackest Night happened somewhere, so... Yeah, and you had mentioned this earlier to me prior to this show that Red Lantern clearly asks the reader to have some knowledge of continuity prior to coming to the book, even though it is technically a relaunch and a reboot into the universe. Well, yeah, and we've seen uh, several books like that where Dan DiDio and Jim Lee can say all day long, we're going to make these things so that anybody can come in and read them, but Red Lanterns is... Really, a perfect example. Yeah, there were the gr there was the Green Lantern movie, and if you've paid attention to say Super Friends, you kind of know who Green Lantern is over the years. No, I have no idea who. <laughs> I kid. It's that giant flagon of weird Dutch beer you're drinking, which is not helping. But oh, <laughs> yeah, that doesn't help anybody. It helps everybody. But I'm digressing. I do that. Um, you can have all the background of Green Lantern you want if you haven't been reading Green Lantern for the last three or four years in regular old DC comics. You don't know who the fuck Red Lanterns are. You, know, you could probably extrapolate, okay, there are lanterns of other colors, but you don't know what they're about. You don't know where they came from. 
And I loved the beginning of the Red Lanterns book, and my review is up uh, on the actual website. That first seven pages were awesome, as long as you know who the Red Lanterns are. Otherwise, you're two pages into the book, and there's an evil kitty. I like kitties. Well, yes. But, who doesn't like kitties? But it's the third page of the book. It's a two-page spread of an evil cat. and yeah. what's, what's the cat's name? Dexter. Dexter. So... <laughs> If you're reading that book for the first time, it's like, yep, they're high, and you put it back. It's a <coughs> book that clearly relies on continuity, and that's fine. I've been there for the continuity, but if the point of the new 52 is anybody can come and read it, well, no, they fucking can't. They can read Action Comics 1 because everybody recognizes Superman, and it's a whole new look at it, so you can say, oh, this is a fresh start. They can recognize Detective Comics because Tony Bedard wrote that, Clearly thinking, let's just do a classic Batman story, Batman and the Joker, and there's nothing here you haven't seen before, but certain books, you're just not going to be able to do that. And Legion Lost, assuming anybody who doesn't read comics gives a fuck about the Legion of Superheroes, and I read comics and I don't, you need to know what the Flashpoint effect is and that they can travel through time and have some sort of sense that, no, they've brought people back and forth through time. Otherwise, you throw that book out. You don't care. Red Lanterns? You don't know Green Lantern? You don't understand what's going on in that book. Anyway, so overall, I think a lot of the new 52 books... I think all the new 52 books are exciting if you are already a comics fan. Yes, if, I agree. Yeah, some are better than others. Some I'm going to follow and some I'm not. But uh, I'm really psyched to get them all every week and see what they're doing. What's an example of one that you want to follow? Um, I already want to follow Action Comics, even though I question hipster douchebag Superman, but I can kind of understand what's going on, and it's something brand new. I want to see what Grant Morrison brings to it, and it may be a goddamn train wreck. You know, I think his run on Batman for the last couple years really did a number on that character, and I completely tuned out, and I'm kind of hoping that, okay, he's got his hands off it, let's wrap up his insipid Batman Incorporated arc and move on with our lives. But Grant Morrison can write a good book if you give him the right subject matter that he likes and he's fit for. Yes. And the man can clearly write Superman. All-Star Superman was excellent. And I'm not the biggest Superman fan in the world. I never really followed the book. You know, even when Jeff Johns was doing action comics, and I like Jeff Johns, I just paid no attention to it. But... I'm interested to see what he's going to do with it. Uh, Detective Comics. It was a very workmanlike story that Tony Bedard did, but hell of a cliffhanger. Want to see what's going on with that. Yes. Why is the Joker's face on the wall? Is it the Joker's face? Probably. <laughs> it's it's the Joker. The Joker is as much of a name property maybe, for DC Comics as Batman maybe is. Maybe they have a 3D printer. For meat? Sure, why not? <laughs> If I had a 3D printer for meat, I would be full of fucking Italian sausage right now, and nobody would be talking on this podcast. Well, see, here's what I find interesting, and I tie this in. Um, if that is, in fact, the Joker's face on the wall, and we've got the reboot of, of Batgirl, where yeah. she can walk, and the, the issue, I'll, I'll buy the next one. Okay. I found it um, uneven, but at the same time, I'm well, not- What did you find uneven about it? I found I found it great that uh, Barbara was back in the suit. You have to admit, it's a little thrilling. It's like, yeah, you're back. I, I really I didn't really get into Stephanie Brown. Um, I enjoyed Cassandra Cain. 
Okay. But, you know, all right, fine. Barbara's back. Um, she's walking. They didn't really get into the house so much. Maybe they'll deal with that later. That's sort of the elephant in the room. How is she walking? Was it the finger of God or Dan DiDio? I don't know. I'm guessing the latter. Dan DiDio's finger <laughs> has made a lot of women walk from DC Comics. <laughs> Touche. Um, this will never air. <laughs> the... Uh, my point being that you know th- she had this moment in the comic where she froze because a bad guy pulled a gun, and it just kind of fe- it felt like it was oh really we're gonna do this I- again. I don't know how it would have been written differently. That's why Gail Simone gets the comic biting comic book writing bucks, and I don't. But it, it just seemed kind of like all right, predictable story. Well, I mean, what what would you have done? Different. I just said Which, I don't know. That's why she gets the big comic book writing bucks. Well, and I said I was too drunk to talk right now. But <laughs> so I'm asking, would you have had that moment? Would you have held that moment? Would you have done something differently with that moment? It does seem to me a little pat that, okay, first issue. And again, it comes back to, oh, it's a brand new DC universe with no continuity. And it, this book clearly relies on a book from 1988. And understanding what happened there and what the ramifications were. So it is not a new reader-friendly book. Well, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen her react, even if it was only to do the on the complete opposite end of, of the Batman protege spectrum um, rules-breaking thing. Go to town on the guy and tool, tool on him. Just tune him up, you know, in just rage, displaced rage that should have been foisted upon the Joker. Um, because again, I'm, I'm tying this back into detective comics. If Batman, uh, if Batman's back, he's Bruce Wayne. Great. That means the Joker's back, but now the Joker seems to be without his face. He went after Barbara Gordon and shot her and paralyzed her, but now she's back and walking. Everybody's back. Does this mean that Barbara needs to worry about the Joker somewhere in this new universe and won't be able to identify him? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I never thought about that at all. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah. But it's that has nothing to do with, okay, that moment of the gun at her spine. Would exactly. you even have so done that? Would I have even have done that? I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. All I know is I read it and I just kind of came away from the book feeling meh. Well, <laughs> and, and that's a problem. You, you put a moment like that in a book. There's only really two ways it can go. You've been shot in the spine by somebody. Somebody points a gun at the same spot. You, know, you, you either freeze up and piss your pants or you go berserk for storytelling purposes. That's all that happens in the real world. God only knows what you do. And that's why, again, I would have liked to have seen a berserker rage moment where she had to be pulled off him by the cops. Um, and if that would lead later on towards a, a confrontation with the Joker where she is able to keep her rage in check, that would have been more interesting to me. Okay. That's valid. Like I, like I said, I think there's only two ways you can play it if you're going to have that moment. And as opposed to uh, just again, as 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 a female, as opposed to a deer caught in the headlights kind of moment. Yes, I know you feel disempowered and scared. And, you know, hell, I once upon a time when I moved out of the house, my apartment was broken into and I slept on my roommate's floor by the Joker. Jesus, God, you never told. Is he coming here? <laughs> That's why we have ADP or, <laughs> or ADT or whatever the hell that um, S and W. That's what we have. <laughs> Smith and Wesson. Um <laughs> So I know what it's like 
to feel violated by a crime and, and to be scared. I understand that. But I want a little bit more out of something that is supposed to be my superhero. Okay. And so it's a general, potentially storytelling problem with that book, but we'll see where it goes. I, I think... Yeah, it's not going to prevent me from buying the next one. So, you know, good job, Gail Simone. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't think of a book from her that I've bought one and didn't think, oh, that's worth checking out again. I mean, I'm not a Wonder Woman fan, but her run on Wonder Woman I enjoyed reading. Yep. You know, uh, Welcome God. to Tranquility. Very interesting story about, you know, a, a little town with, you know, former superheroes and supervillains. I enjoyed it. I think she's an, an excellent writer. I think what's going to come of this uh, will be worthwhile in the long run, I don't think the first issue was bad. I, I had issues with it the same way you did. But, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. I'm looking forward to see seeing what she does with Firestorm. Firestorms. Yeah, well, that's something we'll talk about in a future future show, whether that's a good idea or not. But, um, so, I mean, what what have you been reading in the New 52 that's, you know, Well, today I... Today I read Deathstroke. Okay. And I'm a I'm a Teen Titans person from way back. I uh I always am intrigued with the idea of Deathstroke. Never has there been a villain with so much potential whose life has been fucked up so egregiously by children. <laughs> Deathstroke is an argument for not having kids. <laughs> for at least retroactive abortion. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 if we were to become pregnant and you gave birth to Robin, I would insist you kill it. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Even if it, you know, was, wasn't was a girl. You know, like... <laughs> I'd rather have Beast Boy than Robin. Okay. Oh, look, it's green with 14 <laughs> fingers. Uh, at, least, at least he's not wearing a red shirt. At least he shirt. can do something with his life. <laughs> Anyway. He has a plan. Um, You were saying. My point with Deathstroke is, uh, for someone who they purport to be such a master strategist who can go up against five or 50 men and and defeat them against all odds, then you put him up against, you know, five to eight metapowered teenagers who then school him, and at least one to two of them are his own children. (laughs) Good point. Um. It just it seems like a recipe recipe for pathos, um, and it, it kind of makes you understand why with other uh, Teen Titan villains, Brad Meltzer decides in the case of Doctor Light, you know, actually he is sort of a, an asshole rapist. You know, like, like this is what they've driven him to. Like you can only be smacked by children so many times before you're just going to get the angry. And I'm getting off my point, which is to say I really enjoyed Deathstroke one, if only because. Um, they set him up as as the old man who might be a has been, and they want to partner him up with children, and and drag his ass back into rele- relevancy through that somehow. And at the end of it, he decides, no, you know what? It's not like a working with the up and comers. It's me and competition, and fuck you. And he shoots them all in the face. Well, I mean, that could be an interesting arc that the book takes. Um... Whether it constantly gives me an erection from shooting children in the face, you but, should uh, have that looked at. But, but no, it's a all right. As an adult who's pushing angrily into middle age, you know, I work with people. I'm like you, fucking kids. And this is the one book where it's like 
yeah, this is someone who's an adult and he's potentially being pushed toward obsolescence. If there's a book for potentially older comic readers yeah. who've given up on it, who can read something that might be a hook in, it's the one that I've seen. You know, where you've got Superman going back to, you know, early 20s. I'm going to grow an ironic mustache and drink PBRs and yeah, save the homeless. Slope and yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Deathstroke being, no, I'm still the best motherfucker and I'll take you out. Yeah. It's you root for that. As an adult. You yeah. can't not root for that. I could not. I, I drink and I want old people I to choose. die too. I, I choose to root for this. That's the beauty of middle age. There are two whole arcs of human demographics that I just hate. Children and the elderly. <laughs> but that's also why I, I was really into that iteration of Mortal Kombat that was versus DCU. Because I could play Deathstroke. And I played the hell out of Deathstroke. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> Again, I didn't read a lot of... I was a Marvel guy in the 80s when that was big. So I, I defeated Superman as Deathstroke. Oh, yeah. It's only because I was playing Superman and I suck at fighting games. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, I also, uh, this week, I read uh, Batwoman. Yeah, what'd you think of that? I... J.H. Williams... You know, considering, first of all, for long history, if anybody's listening to issue one, you know, after the apocalypse, which I intend to start in about six months, mm. but... Um, Batwoman was supposed to come out about six or eight months ago by J.H. Williams writing and art and was just pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. And with what the guy does with art, I don't blame him for being late. I'm not pleased it's about it. It's a beautiful it. book. I, yeah. The guy's sense of, of art and the way that it flows with the story, I I just, I, I fall in love with it and I get sucked into it, except, and you know where I'm going with this. Nipples. Batnip. <laughs> Batnip. Um... Yes, it's mesmerizing. It causes hallucinatory properties or hallucinogenic properties. Let's just make up words on the go as we go. Um, it mashes my zipper. Sure. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. Get some cream for that. Um, yeah, you know, there's no particular reason to have done that. I didn't really notice it until you pointed it out to me, and then it was just like, oh, God, it's there. I can't look away from it. I'm a dude. You think I'm not going to see nipples? She's like erect, erect nipples. It's like crime fighting makes her hard. <laughs> <laughs> makes me hard. Okay. But you know, beyond that, the, I thought um, the story was great. I think it's um, a good introduction for readers. There was some chatter on the internet i was reading through bleeding cool uh where people were complaining that you needed to know a lot about the continuity regardless and we had talked about this somewhat with uh the lantern books um i think in batwoman that wasn't necessarily the case if you were paying attention because there was a whole spread um well, near, yeah. the, near the latter part of the book where it talked about what had happened leading up to this with her sister and and Uncle Jacob and and the whole nine yards. Um, oh yeah, they, they did a very competent recap of uh, Greg Rucka's uh, Detective Comics Batwoman that was also drawn by J. H. Williams. Yes. So this is clearly a, a sequel. the The fact this is part of the New Fifty Two is because it took that long for it to be done. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you don't need to know what happens. It, it gave enough information. Exactly. So I will continue to read. Um, I I didn't. I didn't have any real issue with it. Hopefully, in the next issue, we won't have quite the nipples that could cut glass issue. Um, but yeah, I, I have the internet. <laughs> I don't need Batwoman nipples. I can 
faceplant in my keyboard and then press go on the browser and come up with nipples. Yeah. So, you know, but whatever. Nipples are nipples. It's part of the human body. Let's all move on. <laughs> Unlike many parts of the human body, Batwoman's colon doesn't make me want to jack off. <laughs> okay. So let's move on to the next topic. Um, all right, I've bat- gone too far. Batnip. Uh, hey, you know, we just talked about nipples. Let's talk about pull. Um, oh, God. Batman and Robin. Oh, God. Batman and Robin. It had bat poles. It had bat poles behind the fucking grandfather clock. It it had bat poles behind the grandfather clock after a scene that directly referenced Frank Miller's Year One. It's a book that doesn't know what it wants to be. I never liked Batman and Robin. It, it, again, Grant Morrison's run on Batman did nothing for me. His first arc with Batman and Robin, and everybody seems to have the, oh, Professor Pig, he's a great new villain. He's just another freak in a mask. He may or may not last. You know, you want to get there all excited? Hey, I got the first appearance of KG Beast somewhere in one of these long boxes. Nobody gives a shit about that now. Nope. (laughs) Shit, I do not give it. But there were were moments that were nice. Again, another book that was a little uneven. For every, like, great reference... Such as you had some some thoughts on that. <laughs> Give me a clue. I've been drinking for hours. <laughs> um, for every great reference, such as the part where they were talking about, was it when they were in the sewer and referencing? Yes. Well, it started as a great reference in the sewer underneath uh, Crime Alley. Yes, I was where... going to say Crime Alley. Thank you. Yeah, where uh, Batman's, uh, Bruce Wayne's mother's pearls rolled into the sewer. And it was great Miller-esque dialogue of the pearls sounded like gunshots when they hit the water in the sewer. And then it ends, he sails a paper boat down into the... Yeah, what's that? (laughs) It's... I I, kind of get what Tomasi was going for. Let's have reference to this darkness, but sort of give a... Yeah, I did that in 4-H, and we stuck candles in it, and it was a moment. Yeah, uh, maybe let's show that Batman's going to try to be a little lighter. But who the fuck wants that? We had that. It was 1967. You know, and nobody wants light Batman. Yeah. Nobody. No. So, all right. Batman and Robin, uneven. Um... Moments of great ideas, such as that reference to the the pearls in the sewer, and then yeah, uh, mini 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 bat boat with uh, the paper boat in in the the water. Even that, it, it wasn't a great moment. It was good Miller esque dialogue, and fucked up by a completely wrong storyline. And it, it's easy to say now. I'm sure there are Batman fans in 1986, you know, how can you have Batman be this dark and angry? Well, he's been that way for a long time. That's my Batman. We'll see where it goes. I'll give Batman generally a chance, but Detective Comics had such a goddamn solid ending and just a straight-ahead Batman story. Why would I fuck around with Batman and Robin? I agree. All right. Um, there's plenty of other things we could talk about with uh, the new 52, but I want to talk about Marvel for a minute, if you want to move on. It's about time. We hardly ever do anything with Marvel. <laughs> Ultimate Spider-Man. We're... The new Ultimate Spider-Man. Okay. Um, I, I read it today. What'd I you... would continue to read it. What would you think? Talk about it. Talk about it. I found it um, interesting as such an 
overused and vague adjective. But yeah, interesting. Um, Miles Morales uh, seems like a relatable young man. He lives in an area where apparently education um, is hard to come by despite having a public school system. And there's there's no education in New York. <laughs> there's the school of the streets where they teach you how to stand in front of the hole in the wall and suck whatever comes out of apparently, it. Apparently, despite, you know, Rudy Giuliani's best efforts to disnify Times Square. Um, so he is getting ready to, to go to a charter school and it's all waiting for Superman, which is kind of ironic. Um, and, and mommy just wants what's best for him. He's imprinted upon his uncle, who is some sort of sketchy dude who, it would seem, based on the way they drew it, has broken into Oscorp and smuggled out stuff, including um, an unintentional hijack of a spider. Racist. What? It's not about spiders. The the spider... Amanda from Crisis on Infinite Midlives doesn't care about spiders. (laughs) You hate spiders. I fucking hate <laughs> spiders, but um, I'm and, sorry. Go ahead. And the spider sneaks out of the thing that the uncle stole and, and bites Miles. And now Miles has some sort of weird powers, which seem to include invisibility, which will serve him well in school. <laughs> oh, I'd have killed for that, considering he's just the right age to have an involuntary boner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Christ, I'd have given my left nut. Yeah, so actually, give my left nut would have made the boner go away. It would have been a no lose situation. But so you know, it's, it's as we we've both talked about. Um, Bendis is doing what he did when he first started Ultimate Spider Man. He's just sort of doing a very slow ramp up. Yeah, Bendis makes guys who do decompression comics look like speed freaks with an agenda. <laughs> very slow unroll. Here's everybody you need to know. We're gonna very slowly run everybody out. Oh, look, Norman Osborn has been arrested. So we're going to take him out of the picture for right now so we can focus on everybody else. That was our last sort of tie-in with old Spider-Man. Here we go. Oh, and also no uniform yet. Although, interestingly, um, when the uncle broke into Oscorp, he was wearing something that looked like a cross between uh, Spider-Man's outfit and Deadpool. Oh, that was totally a Spider-Man outfit. At the very it least... It also looked like Deadpool. A little bit. But at the very least, he's going to be the source for the costume. Yeah. Uh, the uncle will be the guy that Miles confides in. Yeah. Oh, and also, it's an uncle. It's an uncle. So we can probably predict somewhere down the line, Bye, uncle! <laughs> Bye-bye! It's a... That... That's an interesting take that I hadn't really thought about on it, but... Well, yeah, he has a mommy and a daddy, but there has to be an uncle who dies. I don't think the uncle's going to die. I think he's going to put the uncle away. I think he's. Gonna, I think the all uncle right. will help him with the costume. I think the uncle right, will... air bunny quotes, dies. Well, all right. <laughs> I, think the, I think the uncle will use what he learns from Miles to get around him, and there will be a final, probably by issue eight, showdown where the uncle goes away probably at miles hand and that's where he learns with great power comes great responsibility yes where you have to put a relative away instead of burying them allow them to be buried or have them be buried because you couldn't take care of things this is for my dead homie cliff robertson the best uncle ben (laughs) there you go get that hennessy it's (laughs) 
Jesus Christ, this will never air. But it's a. I enjoyed it. Um, I really had issues with the death of Ultimate Peter Parker. Because Spider-Man was my first superhero. I got into comic books when I was four years old with the Electric Company, had Spidey Super Stories. My first comic book was, I think, Marvel Team-Up 27 with the Scarlet Witch. Um, and I have a copy of that to this day. Um, to see Spider-Man killed, even though Peter Parker still exists over in the Marvel 616 universe. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, you you can't get too upset in a way. Yes, Spider-Man died, but it's Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, so it's like Elseworlds Spider-Man died. Uh, yeah, and certainly in Ultimate Comics, they've killed Daredevil and Cyclops and dozens and dozens. Professor X is dead now or something. Yeah, yeah. so it's... Thanks, Mark Millar. Yeah, dick. But, <laughs> um, but still, it was... Number one, Ultimate Spider-Man has been the best Spider-Man, consistently best Spider-Man comic since 2001. Best written, best characterized, best dialogue, with you know, mostly Mark Bagley and Stuart Immerman, best really fun art. And, and was written, yeah, it was an alternate universe, but it, it's Peter Parker. And to see not only, yep, he's killed defeating his greatest enemies, but the aftermath of that with, with Aunt May falling apart, and I that got, was heartbreaking. I got I damn was teary. near teary. Yeah, in those. I was teary. Yeah, and I'm a dude with a big Irish, well, with an Irish dick, <laughs> and, and so and that was hard. So okay, this is a new character, this Miles Morales. Let's give him a shot, and he's written like a nice kid who, based on how he's being drawn, appears to be about eleven. 12. I think he's 12. 12. And when I was 12, if you put me in spandex pants, I'd hope to turn invisible because of the boner problem. But um, When I was 12, I was in spandex pants, but that's because aerobics were really huge when I was 12. And my mom kept dragging me to them because I was a chubby child. Yeah, and your dick was not really huge, and you could control your non-existent dick from getting hard when somebody said math problem on the board. This is true. This so, is true. Um, but... Uh, yeah, Bendis. He's he's a he's a very good writer. Great dialogue. You know, I'm already dialed into. Okay, this is a family of decent people. They're trying. They want the best for their kid. In, in 24 pages, it's a kid who believes in fair play right out of the gate. When he's kind of baffled that what I get to go to this charter school because they pulled my number out. Is that fair? And well, yeah, because one can make the argument that. A smart kid in any situation will find a way to get ahead regardless. Um, and I guess they've, they've gone out of their way to show between the, the father and the uncle, yeah, you can be smart and get ahead, but do you do it and become a good person a la dad or do you do it and become a sketchy person a la the uncle? Well, that's that's the one ham-fisted thing I'll put in the book. The the spider that bites him has the number 42. His lottery number that comes up is the number 42. Yes. He's a kid who believes in fair play, so part of why he... I guarantee a part of why he'll decide to become Spider-Man will be, I've been lucky, and it's important in the interest of fairness to share that luck. Yeah. It, it's a different 
from great power different than from great power becomes great responsibility and more sometimes people get lucky and it's important to not think you deserve it don't be selfish exactly the will eaton thing don't be a dick fuck you <laughs> don't be a dick but um yeah i mean can i see it for a second yes yeah the the art in it i mean uh, right down to the cover number one uh, sarah pacelli's art is very bagley-esque yes Without completely feeling the need to just ape it for the sake of this has to be a Bagley book. Otherwise, use Bagley. Yeah, I mean, so clean lines, simple, um, but very good look. It's a good look it, it, to go from Bagley and Immerman and others. Um, and not Immerman. Yeah, not Immerman and Bag Bagley. But, uh, yeah, no, it's a good-looking book. Uh, I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah. But yeah, you just have to constantly remind yourself, all right, yeah, it's Spider-Man, but it's probably just best to pretend. All that other Ultimate Spider-Man, it was its own book. Exactly. Uh, this is a whole different thing. Let's see where it goes. Yeah, I was uh, I was briefly irritated in the, in the previous Ultimate Spider-Man when they brought Gwen Stacy back as a clone. You know, it, it's Ultimate Comics. It's going to be what it's going to be. Yeah, it's... it's Enjoy a, the story or don't read it, but... There are plenty of other things to read if it doesn't grab you. Yeah, it's... Right now, it's interesting, though. So, you know, stop whining, give it a chance on its own merits, and, and go forward. Yeah, well, one of three things is going to happen. Either it hooks on, and people get into it, and there are good stories there, or there aren't, and they say, okay, well, here's the magical resurrection of Peter Parker. It's a comic book. Never rule that out. I never saw a body. Exactly. He was still talking the last time I saw him. Or it doesn't hook, and Marvel says, okay, we've run our course with Ultimates, and now it's going to be... Yeah. Or Mary Jane is secretly pregnant, and there'll be another clone. I, I, like... Yeah, you, you could do a million things with it. So uh, I enjoyed it. I wish things ramped up quicker, but at the same time, in six or eight months, I'll be able to get the trade. And then it's all, yep, one story. Yeah, I mean, when, when, when you know somebody writes for the trade... You kind of just have to take it with a grain of salt and decide I'm going to do this on an issue-by-issue issue basis or I'm going to wait a few months and then buy the trade. Yeah. So. All right. I'm going to move on from this. Here's your final thought for the evening. Why should people buy Atomic Robo over Frankenstein, Agent of Shade? <laughs> I'll, I'll do this quickly. You have to ask me to think analytically when I've had this much Murphy stout. <laughs> but... um. Uh, let's be honest with both of them. If you peel down to the Tootsie Roll center, they're both inspired by Hellboy. Yes. Um, Atomic Robo is inspired by Hellboy and has decided, let's strip away everything from this that isn't fun. And Frankenstein has said, let's make Hellboy, but with Frankenstein. Exactly. It, it's really too early. That's not a fair thing to say. Atomic Robo has a few years of history. Uh, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, has one issue. But based on that first issue, I see Abe Sapien. He's right fucking there. He's a chick. He's a chick. But, yeah, and it's the group of monster. It's it's Hellboy. It's BRPD. It's all, yeah. Yeah, it's Hellboy with bolts in his neck instead of horns. And Jeff Lemire is an excellent writer. He will do a very competent Frankenstein story that, hues to the bone of a good Hellboy story. I'll enjoy reading it. But, but it'll uh, be Hellboy. 
yeah, I, I won't subscribe to it. I'll pick it up off the shelf. And if it loses me, it probably will have lost me. Okay. Atomic Robo, on the other hand, is just fucking fun. Well, <laughs> shit, the new one, he started off by telling off Steve Jobs because the iPad can't be handled with mechanical limbs right after two back-to-back wars and ends with he's hit by a Russian satellite and goes into re-entry. And right after Steve Jobs has just stepped down because of health reasons. Well, yeah, he's a cock. <laughs> You'll see me dead before you see an Apple product in my hand, live or mechanical. But All right, so anyway, go. Um, our parting th- there, thought there would be go ahead and buy Atomic Robo and support your independent comics people. So Yes, indeed. All right, this has been uh, Amanda and Rob for episode one of Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. The Sack of Justice. The Sack of Justice. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we will see you hopefully next week. Uh, Yes, and Derp.